Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. John chapter 12, starting to read at verse 37. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe, because, as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts, so they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, Many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith, for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, But the Father who sent me commanded me to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Steffi, thank you very much indeed. Do keep uh, your Bibles open. We're going to be looking at uh, that passage uh, from verse 44. And this is the the last in our series that I've um, thoroughly enjoyed having the pleasure of um, of preparing uh, week after week as we've been looking through chapters John 11 and 12. And uh, so with the Bible open, let me pray now uh, for us. We've been singing Heavenly Father and we want to pray it as we've been singing, but we pray it now again. Show us Christ, reveal your glory. Uh, We pray that we would understand more of who the Lord Jesus is and more of what it means that he came for us. Uh, So please speak to us very profoundly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you've um, ever wondered what would make Jesus raise his voice. What it it might be that would get him especially animated. What What would result in him raising his voice before us, lifting it higher than you've heard him lift it before. What, what do you reckon? A climate change in the way we, we're wrecking the planet? Social injustice in the way we walk all over the downtrodden? Human trafficking and drug barons who destroy lives? Pol- politicians and those in positions of power who, who use their authority for personal gain or for evil? Well, yes, I reckon Jesus is deeply concerned about about all those things and I guess you could think of other things too, things that have made our news in recent days. All those things have made the news. The floods in Britain and and Venice this week remind us of climate change, the deaths of 
migrants in a lorry just a few weeks ago. The forthcoming election uh, makes us think about the politicians and the possible impeachment of the US president. Uh, Jesus has something to say on all of those things. This is his world. He has something to say on everything. But there is something in our Bible passage today that caused Jesus to raise his voice. I wonder if you noticed it as Steffi was reading. Look with me at verse 44. Then Jesus cried out. This is the point. He he lifts his voice at this point because it was so crucial that people heard what he was about to say. Now here's the thing. The last time in John's gospel that Jesus cried out this same word, the last time he cried out like this was when he was standing outside the grave of a dead man called Lazarus. If you've been here these last weeks, you'll remember that incident well. We've kept referring back to it. You'll know that everything that's been going on in these last two chapters have um, revolved around, been, been framed around that moment, that moment when Jesus cried out. Remember the two words he cried out? Come out. And Lazarus, the man who'd been buried for four days already, the man whose flesh had already started to rot and smell That man, that thoroughly dead man, walked out of the grave. And then, remarkably, he carried on his life. So the next time we meet Lazarus, we see him as the guest at a dinner party enjoying a tasty beef bourguignon followed by a creme brulee. Well, he doesn't actually say that, but he was enjoying something. Now look, here's the point. The last time Jesus cried out, he was bringing a dead man to life. And he did that to demonstrate that he, Jesus, is the resurrection and the life, those words that he used back in John chapter 11. The Lazarus miracle was proof that Jesus can give life beyond the grave, that if we trust him, we can have eternal life, never to die again. That's what these chapters have been all about, and that's what made Jesus raise his voice. When people don't take that offer of eternal life, Jesus cries out, And he'll cry out to anyone who'll listen. Verse 44, believe in me. Because it is by by believing in me, says Jesus, that you can have eternal life. And I prove that by raising Lazarus from the dead. I am the resurrection and the life. Sometimes people ask me why I do this job and how I came to be doing this job. And uh, look, I won't bore you with all the details, but essentially it is this. Telling people about Jesus is a matter of life and death, eternal life and eternal death. I can't think of anything more important. That's why I do this job, which is not to say that climate change and social justice and politics and healthcare and education don't matter. Of course they matter. But at the end of the day, if we could persuade all the governments of the world to become carbon neutral, and even if we could rid this world of the monsters who make money out of trafficking people and selling drugs, and even if we could find enough money to improve the most socially deprived areas of our world and educate people and give them all free health care, even if we could do all of that, men and women and boys and girls still die. And when we die, we come face to face with Almighty God. And because eternity is such a very long time, the issue of eternal life and eternal death far outweighs anything else we can ever deal with. It is the issue of eternity that makes Jesus cry out in verse 44. And he cries out first, and here's our first point, if you like taking taking notes. Eternal life comes through believing in him. 
verses 44 to 46. Look at verse 44 again. Jesus cried out, when a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. Jesus says that believing in him is to believe in God the Father. Because, verse 44, the Father is the one who sent Jesus. Jesus is God the Father's chosen way for people to know God. Now, please make note of that. That is the way. Jesus, of course, is much more than a messenger sent by the Father. He's not just another prophet. Jesus says, verse 45, when anyone looks at me, they see the one who sent me. I've told the story before of the primary school teacher who told the class to paint whatever they liked. Monday morning, get out the paints. They got out the paints, they put their aprons on, and they started painting. And after a little while, the teacher went around looking at what the little ones were creating. Some had painted mummy and daddy and and the dog and and, and them at the park, and and others had painted a seaside scene. Uh, But there was one little lad, six-year-old Scott, and he'd filled the paper with a mass of colour, just colour everywhere. And the teacher leant over and said to Scott, that's lovely, Scott, what is it? And Scott said, oh, that's God. And the teacher said, but no one's ever seen God. And Scott replied, they have now. (laughs) And that's what John says at the beginning of his gospel. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who's at the Father's side, the Lord Jesus, has made him known. No one's ever seen God. Jesus turns up, they have now. And now here's Jesus saying exactly the same thing. This isn't now just John writing it in John chapter 1, verse 18. This is Jesus saying it with his own lips. Verse 45, when anyone looks at me, they see the one who sent me, the Father. This is fantastic news. If you were here this morning and you're not yet sure whether God exists, well, look, thanks for coming. But do you see what this says? You need look no further. For when you look at Jesus, you see the one who sent him, God the Father. So in your search for God, you don't need to travel the world or search the internet to investigate every conceivable religion. You don't need to read every philosophical textbook. You just need to read your Bible and look at Jesus and you see God the Father. He came among us and and did all the things that you'd expect God to do and um, when he walked this planet. And so he gave us all the evidence we need to know that God exists. What's more, looking at Jesus, we see what God is like. We not only know he exists, but what he's like. In Jesus, we see that God is powerful and mighty. We've been seeing his miracles over these last few weeks, not least of all, raising a man from the dead. How powerful is that? You and I can't do it. We see he's powerful. We see he's good. He cared about justice. He spoke against crooked rulers. He was kind and compassionate to the downtrodden and the marginalized. He was full of grace and truth. See, look at Jesus and you'll discover exactly the kind of God you want. That's why so many millions of people have been so drawn to him. He's such an attractive character. So if you're searching for God, your search ends here. Isn't that good news? You don't have to search any longer. Now that said, I know for most of you here, I'm preaching to the converted. You know who Jesus is. That's not new news for you. You know that to look at Jesus is to see God. And so for those of us already convinced of this, see what this means for when we find ourselves talking to people about God. You see, if you're anything like me, then you will have questions from time to time when you speak to your, um, your friends and your colleagues, your neighbours, your, your unbelieving family. 
People often say things like, I can't believe in a God who, and then they talk about the most recent tragedy. Well, they're difficult questions. But do you see what they're saying when they say, I can't believe in a God who? They're questioning whether God really exists. Or they're questioning the character of God. How do you answer that? Take them to Jesus. If you're not sure that God exists, look at Jesus, is what we should say to people. Then you know that God does exist, and you know what he's like. He's not a God who just doesn't care about everything going on in the world. He cares deeply. Well, that's why he says, verse 46, I've come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. See, when, we, when we're in the dark about God's existence and what God is like and how we can come to know God and what life is all about and how we can have eternal life, when we're in the dark about those most crucial matters of life and death, the answer is to come to Jesus. He sheds light on the issue. He is the light. Believe in him and we're no longer stumbling around in the dark. I can still remember the first day I became a Christian. I've been thinking for months about these big issues of life. Longer than that, months and months and months. Then I turned to Jesus and suddenly everything was clear. Life made sense. I'm not saying that from then on it was easy and plain sailing forevermore. I'm just saying I understood it now. I knew where I was going in life. And most wonderfully of all, I knew where I was going when I died. It's brilliant to know. Brilliant to know what life is all about. Brilliant to know life beyond the grave. Jesus then is crying out for us to believe in him. Because there is nothing more important than to believe in him because it's a matter of life and death. First thing he says then, eternal life comes through believing in me. Second, Jesus cries out, judgment comes to those who reject me. Verses 47 to 50. Look, let's go back one step. In verse 46, Jesus says, if we turn to him, the light, we'll escape the darkness. And so the next thing he says is obvious. If we refuse to turn to Jesus, we will stay in darkness. But not just darkness now, but forever. Remember, Jesus is talking about the big issue of these chapters is eternal life and eternal death. He's crying out to stop people from having to endure that fate, eternal death. He doesn't want people to face eternity separated from the Father. And so he says, verse 47, as for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I don't judge him, for I did not come into the world to judge the world, but to save it. See what he's saying? Jesus went to great lengths to save us. He came from heaven to earth. He lived a life of rejection. He died a cruel death. He suffered the punishment of death on the cross He suffered the punishment from God as he died on the cross. He has gone to great lengths to save us. He didn't come to judge us. But, verse 48, there is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. See, he's saying we will be judged by our response to Jesus and what Jesus says. If we don't believe in him, then his words will leave us condemned, end of verse 48. That's because his words are the words of God the Father. Verse 49, I did not speak on my own accord, but my Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. Everything Jesus says, the the Father commanded him to say. So Jesus' words are the words of God the Father. 
See what we're seeing here. In verses 44 to 46, we discovered that when we look at Jesus, we see what the Father is like. Now in verse 49, we discover that as we listen to Jesus, we hear the word of God, the word of God the Father. So this is crucial. To reject Jesus' words is to reject God. Let's be clear here, because some people want to drive a wedge between someone's words and and who they are especially when it comes to the bible well you know that's the bible i still believe in god but i don't believe in the bible now you can't drive a wedge between god's word and god Uh, stay with me on this for a minute i don't know if this works for you but um in my position as the leader of the staff team here if i ask a member of the team to do something and they refuse to do it providing it's a reasonable request that i've asked of them Imagine them saying to me, oh, I respect you as the leader of the team. I just don't listen to to your words. That's ridiculous. Reject what I say if I've asked you to do something and and you are under my command. If I I ask you to do it and you you reject it, then you are rejecting me. There's no wedge between me and my words. And so if we reject Jesus' words, we are rejecting God. Because verse 49, the words Jesus speaks are the words that God the Father commanded him to speak. Now again, if you're not yet a Christian here, know that when you read these words, you are hearing God speak. Some people say to me, I've prayed that God would speak to me, but I haven't heard anything. And I say to them, have you read the Bible? See, God is not a silent God, and he's not difficult to hear. We don't have to go into the woods or on a silent retreat or to try any fancy meditative practice to hear God speak to us. You don't have to sort of whip yourself into a frenzy to kind of somehow get to hear what God is going to say. Just open the book and read it. And know that everything Jesus said, God the Father commanded him to say. And when you do that, you will hear God speaking to you. Now again, because I know that the vast majority of us here believe this already, see what this means when we're talking to friends and family and colleagues who are not yet followers of Jesus. The best thing we can do if they want to hear from God is read the Bible. The best thing we can do is open the Bible with them. My brother did this for me when I was searching around for the meaning of life. I don't think he even realized that I was really going through this deep turmoil of what is life all about, but he gave me a Bible. It was one Christmas. And I started to read Matthew's Gospel. Well, actually, I started to read Genesis and gave up after chapter 4 because everyone died. And my brother said, how are, you, how are you getting on? I said, well, chapter 5, everyone dies. I've given up on it. And he says, well, start reading Matthew's Gospel. And I did. I completely gripped. Well, of course I was. Why? I was hearing God speak. Wow. Now, look, this means that when Jesus says that he is the only way to God and that we must believe in him, in Jesus, in order to come to God the Father, if we don't obey that command, we will be judged and condemned on that day when we stand before God because we are rejecting the very thing he said. That's what Jesus is saying in verses 49 and 50. Let me read it again, verse 48. Sorry, verse 48 and 49. Let me read verse 48. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day for I did not speak on my own accord but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say. See how that works? What a warning this is. Not only for those who openly and obviously don't turn to Jesus. They, you know, you ever watch uh, th- things on the internet? People who say, oh, well, I, you know, I don't believe in God because he hasn't really spoken to me. Yes, he has spoken. 
But what a warning this is for so many in the wider church today who refuse to believe in the uniqueness of Christ. It is remarkable that the church more widely than us, many of them are saying that they don't believe in the uniqueness of Jesus Christ, that he's the only way to God. I'm thinking of vicars and bishops and other church officials who say there are many ways to God. They hold multi-faith services and promote an equal voice to all religions as if all religions have a valid message from God. No, no. Jesus said clearly, he is the only way to God. And why did he say it? Because, verse 49, God the Father commanded him to say it. And so when these people are saying, well, there's loads of ways to God, they are denying what God has said. There will be judgment for them on that final day. And so you see, Jesus cries out, verse 44, believe in me. See how wonderful these words are. Jesus wants you, me, to believe in him. And Jesus said that because the Father had told him to say it. Verse 49. So God the Father wants you to believe in Jesus. We could add that the Holy Spirit, the author of the Bible, the one who inspired John as he wrote his gospel, wants you to believe in Jesus. Jesus says believe in me because God the Father said believe in me and the Holy Spirit inspired these words to be written. God the Holy Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit cries out believe in Jesus. Why? So that you can have eternal life. So that you will escape eternal judgment. Do you feel the urgency? Do you see how much God cares for you? How much he loves you? Do you see why Jesus lifts his voice? Can I put it this way? For crying out loud, avoid eternal judgment. Everlasting existence apart from God doesn't bear thinking about. And so if you're not a Christian yet, consider that the Father sent the Son. He went to great lengths, Father and Son. The Son willingly went to the cross so that you wouldn't have to face judgment. So believe in Jesus and have eternal life, verse 50. And if you are a follower of Jesus, do you feel the urgency? Head into tomorrow, wherever tomorrow is, knowing that you're on a mission, a life and death mission. And at every opportunity, take people to Jesus because there they will see God the Father. And take people to Jesus' words because they will hear God the Father speak to them. It's not complicated. We've just got to be bold and courageous to do it. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you that you're not a God who hides away, but that you burst onto the scene to show us who you are. We thank you that you're not a God who's silent, who kind of we have to somehow listen for some little voice somewhere. But you've spoken clearly and had the words written down so we can read them today. And so we pray for those who are not yet convinced of who you are here tonight. Pray that any in that category would open their Bible Know that as they look at Jesus, they're seeing what you're like. Knowing that as they hear these words, they are hearing you speak to them. 
And we pray for the rest of us who already know all this, that whenever we speak to other people, uh, we take them to Jesus, knowing that that's the way other people are going to come face to face with God and hear you speak to them. Give us courage to do that tomorrow morning, uh, whatever situation we're in. May we feel the urgency of the Lord Jesus crying out, believe in me. And may we go into tomorrow with great urgency in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're going to sing in a moment. Before we do, if, um, if any of that uh, makes sense to you and you're saying, I'd like to do a bit more about that, do something about it, well, a um, couple of books for you tonight. We've got a little book table that we've set up um, for you. Uh, one is this book called Intentional. Um, it is for Christians to tell us how we can take people to Jesus and to Jesus' words whenever we have a conversation uh, with people who aren't yet Christians. So you might find that useful. They're just a pound. And if you're not yet a Christian, but you want to look at Jesus and think more about him, this book, if you could ask God one question, top questions that people ask, answered from the lips of Jesus and from the person of Jesus. Uh, That's just three pounds. They're, They're over there. If you can't afford a pound or three quid, you can have the book. No problem.